I just love seeing people's faces when they try new things, um, whether that be like a new food that they haven't tried before or a new wine. Um, working with the people that I do, they, you know, inspire me every day to be better and deliver a better product. This is the Deep in the Weeds podcast. I'm Anthony Huckstep. We've talked extensively about the changing culture in hospitality, the kitchens of the past, but also the male-dominated nature of them too. How much have things truly changed and what sort of hospitality world is emerging from the dust of COVID? Caitlin Baker is the restaurant manager of Such and Such in Canberra. Caitlin, how are you? Yeah, I'm good, thanks, Huck. How are you? I'm good. It's great to great to get you on the show. You're um, part of the team of a pretty exciting new venue in Canberra at the moment, such and such. How, how are things going with it? Yeah, it's going really well. Um, it's been super hectic, as most people can imagine, uh, opening a new venue and then also the reputation that Dowish, Mal and Ross have. Um, but it's been super fun at the same time. What's it like being part of that sort of uh, evolving, sort of exciting group and such and such is the sort of wine bar you'd see in Sydney and Melbourne and sort of shows the evolution of Canberra, but are there challenges with with presenting something like that in Canberra? Yeah, I think so. I think think that Dash, Ross and Mal, you know, they've always not been afraid to like break down the barriers or do something different. Um, I think after being on the opening team at Pilot to being on the opening team at such and such, the reception from the general public is so much better, <laughs> um, which which sounds bizarre seeing as that was only five years ago. But I think people are more open to new things, to exciting things, to late night venues, I don't know, to being a bit uncomfortable in a dining experience, to having a bit of a challenge. Yeah. Well, their venues are very much in line with this new wave of Australian dining that we see in the sort of big capitals and sort of leading Australia down a new culinary path in that respect. And often it's talked about the food and what's on the plate, but these venues, you know, the service speaks as much as the food about where we're headed. How, how do you approach that front of house with the venue like this? Yeah, absolutely. I think um, I think every day I go into service, I feel like I'm inviting people into my home. I want to I want to treat them basically like they're my friends or my family, make sure that they're comfortable. Um, I think that dining can be like really um, inaccessible for a lot of people. They feel uncomfortable. And I think something that we all try to do is make sure that all people of all walks of life feel comfortable in our spaces. Well, I want to explore what you guys are doing there because um, it's, it's a real amazing addition to the camera dining scene. But um, take us back to when you were young. What, what sort of role did food play in your family growing up? Yeah, so um, I'm from a family of eight. So I've got five siblings <laughs> and my mum and dad. Um, yeah, so big family and obviously there was a lot of cooking happening, a lot of mouths to feed. Um, I have four brothers uh, who are all very active. So my poor parents <laughs> had to get a lot of food out all the time. Um, I think it was especially before I was 10, like we always had meals at the table, all eight of us. There was a big sort of tradition around sitting down every night and talking about our days. Um, so food always related sort of to those moments for me. Um, and then, yeah, my older brother Patrick um, is super into cooking and baking and I think just learning how to bake things like a crock and bush and like Persian love cake with him um, when he was sort of 15, 16 um, 
really like cemented into me like my love of food, especially sweet things. I have the biggest sweet tooth. It's it's ridiculous. Um, yeah, I guess basically that. And then as I've gotten older, like food has just remained important to me and those, sharing those meals with people um, and talking about your day over a plate of food um, is super special. Well, a crock and bush is a pretty huge thing to master in the home. <laughs> Do you, t- tell us about that moment. That's pretty epic. Um, yeah, my brother just always loved a challenge um, and he was doing, you know, like I'm not sure what you'd call call it at school, like home studies or home ec. Um, and, you know, they, may, they had a challenge. They had to create a dish from another culture and my brother being as extra as he is was like, crock and bush is the one. Uh, tried it at home a few times. There was a few massive fails, um, but then, yeah, ended up mastering it and has made it a few times for the family over the years. Um, but pretty impressive for a 16-year-old, I reckon, to um, whip something like that up with no chefing background at all. When did you start to think of uh, hospitality as a career? I think it was while I was at uni, um, I was working in an honour cafe Um And it was the first sort of time that I really started to understand the importance of produce and where things come from. Um, So that was about nine years ago. Um, So just sort of like obviously Honor with their coffee sourcing, like it's all about the farms and how it's produced and they had the same sort of um, dialogue about the food. Um, So I think that's sort of where it sort of clicked to me that like maybe this is something that I could do. Um, and then it was actually eating at Aubergine for the first time about seven years ago where I went, yep, this is it. Like everything about it was flawless, the food, the wine, the service, the space. And I just thought, this is what I want to do. Restaurants is like for me, 100%. What, what were you studying and was it hard for you to sort of change track and move into hospitality? Yeah, definitely. I was studying med science. um, And so my parents are both scientists and all of my brothers are very high achievers uh, in the uni world. So I guess actually coming out of school, I felt a huge amount of pressure to go to uni and get a degree and work, especially in the science field, just because that's like the background. Um, Initially, it was really hard, but I, my mum has always been my biggest advocate and biggest supporter. And she always says, like, as long as you're happy, I don't care what you do. Um, so I was definitely scared to tell them that I was dropping out of uni, but um, they've supported me all the way through. It's amazing that you mentioned Aubergine then because you became such an important um, person within Aubergine before it did close and we can get into that shortly. But um, what were the sort of real important venues for you early on once you sort of made that decision? Yeah, I think um, Bar Rockford um, seven years ago is like the first time that I tried natural wine. Um, I didn't even like – I didn't really drink once I turned 18. Um, it was only when I started working in hospitality that I started to discover like how like alcohol and wine, et cetera. Um, but yeah, I think Bar Rockford was like a big turning point to me where my, f- my shift also went from just food and service to like drinks and flavor. Um, that was definitely the key one. And also, yeah, obviously Aubergine and also Esther in Sydney, just how fun everything was. Like they don't take themselves too seriously. Um, a really exciting drinks program and all the, f- every single thing that came out to the table food wise was just like 
wow, what is this? I would never have thought of this kind of thing. You mentioned you were part of the opening team uh, with Pilot. Um, take us back to that time. It, there was an evolution happening in, in Canberra, but as you say, it wasn't as easy as it is now in regards to guest sort of acceptance. Yeah, totally. Uh, it was a super challenging um, um, time. I had worked under Dash at 86 uh, previously and then, um, yeah, she invited me to come onto the opening team to do the beverage program and the non-alcoholic pairing, um, two things that I severely lacked experience in. Um it was a super eye-opening experience um, discovering that uh, just the wines that I liked weren't fit for everybody and realizing that you really need to build um, programs with everybody in mind, not just yourself. Um, I think also trying to pair with food, uh, especially non-alcoholic pairings, like I feel like in my head I have a great understanding of flavor, but um I don't know, Mal's food, as we know, is super impressive. There's a lot of layers um, and I found, yeah, I found it super tough at the beginning to sort of match that expectation or that standard. The non-alcoholic uh, matching is a fascinating area. Tell us a little bit about that and ha how you approach it. Yeah, for sure. I think it's just thinking, well, in my head, I just think about flavours and what tastes good together. It's not necessarily about like – you can build anything from scratch um, when you're doing an alcoholic pairing. It's not like pairing with wine where it is already a whole product. Um, so I think it leaves you room to do things that are a bit out of the box. Um, and I just try to make things that taste good, to be honest. Like if it tastes good, then generally it's going to taste good with the food. Uh, we've uh, had uh, the team on from Pilot uh, over the last couple of years at random times um, and they talked about the challenges of, of sort of pushing the envelope with, with Pilot. Uh, do you have any sort of favourite stories of, of sort of challenging moments of getting that sort of up and running? Ooh, good question. Um, I think the most challenging moment for me was um, – having a reviewer come in in our first week. Uh, it was the first time I'd ever had to do wine pairing. Um, I'd ne like I'd never worked in a restaurant where I was like, you know, it was my beverage program and I had to drop the wine pairings. And um, it just completely floored me um, and made me step back and realise like, wow, maybe I don't know as much as I think I know, which sounds kind of silly to say, but um I had this pairing on of a wine that was mousy and we just tried to make it work by um, adding ice to the glass because it softens the mousiness of the wine. And I tried to explain it to the reviewer um, who definitely thought I was just a bit of an idiot, I reckon. And um, she actually wrote about it in her review. Um, and, yeah, I think I just – it took me it took me by surprise and also made me realise, like, wow, I need a – I need to fix this kind of thing. I need to do better. <laughs> you spent a bit of time in the UK as well. Was how how different was that compared to what you're used to in the ACT? Um, to be honest, in Edinburgh, the it's kind of the same in terms of the hospitality industry. There is still growing, um, so it's kind of on the same level, um, but it is a lot busier. Um, and, yeah, I guess I worked in two venues where 
both of the owners had worked in Australia. So we had a lot to relate to and I found a lot of Australian influences um, coming through in the food and the way like the way the wine program was set up and stuff like that. Um, but, yeah, it was really exciting I think as well to work in a different city and see the different ways of running restaurants and I don't know, I think in the UK people are generally more more open um, to new things and exciting things, um, which I think Canberra is changing into, but yeah, definitely five years ago it wasn't. You, you were over in Edinburgh when, uh, the pandemic started. What, what was it like for you over there? Uh, it was horrible actually. Um, my partner Lucas and I literally lost our jobs, um, within 24 hours. Um, basically you just had to return. It was really unfortunate timing because we were about to move to London. I had a trial set up at Braun. Um, we had heaps going on and yeah, basically in a week our lives went from really exciting to how the hell are we going to get home? We had multiple canceled flights. Um, we had to end our lease within like, yeah, 24 hours. Basically, um, we packed everything up, cleaned it down, uh, left to the airport and then arrived at the airport and uh, the airline was grounded. So we had nowhere to go, <laughs> no flight home. Um, so it was a really, really stressful couple of days. Um, really lucky to have like a really good network in Edinburgh who helped us out. But um, yeah, super stressful and I think really sad to come home when we had so much going on. Um, but yeah, and then, yeah, like the first few months back in Canberra was super challenging, but then, um, we worked at kiosk, uh, with Louis Katoops, um, which was super fun. And then, yeah, we moved into Aubergine. Um, so yeah, something good came of it all, I guess. <laughs> well, tell us about that little pop-up, uh, kiosk and, and what you guys were doing. Yeah. So, um, we, Lucas and I both worked with Louis at Bar Rockford. Uh, previously so we had that relationship there and he asked us to come in um, and build a bottle shop because it was in that time where it was takeaway only for restaurants um, so it was super exciting to build this fun wine program um, I feel like Kingston at the time didn't really have sort of the new world or natural wine producers in it um, in any of the bottle shops so it was really fun to bring that to the people um, and then we got to open back up as a restaurant and we were doing this funny two room restaurant service where Lucas and I had to text each other when food was being called away in the other room. <laughs> um, but it was super fun working there and building relationships with like Lucy home and lock cutting. And yeah, it was a really like fun project to be part of. Tell us a little bit about how the gig at Aubergine came about. Um, so I actually just got an Instagram message from Ben um, randomly one day. Um, I didn't even know that Cyril and Marta were leaving. Like I hadn't seen any promotion for either of those roles. Um, but he just sent me a message asking if Lucas and I would be keen to come in for a chat. Um, I think obviously at the time I was like, there's no way I can do this, um, but let's see. And, um, yeah, it kind of – fell into place pretty quickly. We basically met with Ben and then about four weeks later we were starting um, full-time as the manager and SOM at Aubergine, which was super crazy. We had a week with Cyril and Marta to learn the ropes of um, a very uh, very hectically run restaurant, to be honest. Like there was a lot, there's a lot to know <laughs> about running that place. Aubergine is um, 
such a stalwart of the Canberra industry and laid the foundation for so many that have come after it. What, what, what was it like for you stepping into that role given its history? Uh, it was very exciting, I have to say. Like I, To think that seven years ago dining in that restaurant made me realise this is what I want to do. To be offered a role like that was like, wow, this is really coming full circle. Um, I think being the institution that it is and the reputation that it has, uh, Lucas and I suffered, well, not suffered, but found it really challenging to please a lot of the regular customers. Um, Ben did bring us in to sort of shift Aubergine in a new direction and to freshen it and not because he was unhappy with Cyril Amata, but just to basically improve the relevancy of the venue. Um, And we did feel a lot of pushback um, from a lot of customers about that, even just things like taking a bit more time and care and explaining the food, changing the playlist, um, putting more challenging wines on the wine pairing. Um, The first six months, I think, it was really hard and I think we were both questioning, like, why are we here? Um, But it was almost like overnight that all of a sudden there was these new fresh faces, people had heard about the changes and then it was like we found our people in that space. We had our own regulars. A lot of the, like 50% I reckon of the older regulars as well were like, no, what you're doing sick. We want to be part of this. Um, but yeah, it was yeah, it was just a bit of a, a bit of a challenging time, as as you probably can imagine. Yeah, it it, it definitely you definitely made an impact and um, changed Aubergine to veer in a new direction. What was what was Ben like to work with? Amazing. Um, I have never felt so trusted and supported um, in a role. I we had such like a positive relationship where I felt like he trusted me to do everything, but he was also there to support me in whatever I needed. Um, I learned a lot from him, um, just about general management and also like seeing, um, all your staff as individuals and that they all need to be treated in different ways to get the best out of them. Um, yeah, he, I, I know everyone like raves about him, but he generally, genuinely is um, one of the best like owners I've ever met, for sure. How did it feel when you got the news that um, Ben was going to close the restaurant? Well, to be honest, I had actually resigned the week before, um, yeah, to move into such and such. And, um, yeah, I think Ben and Andy had been thinking about closing the restaurant at the end of the year. Um, I think there was part of it being pushed forward was because I was leaving. Um, it's definitely nothing to do with me as in why they were closing the restaurant, but yeah, just, there's no point finding another manager for three months kind of thing. Um, but I was, I was definitely devastated. I think, you know, that restaurant has meant so much to me and has been a pivotal force in what I'm doing with my life. And, um, yeah, it's super it was, yeah, super hard to sit at a table um, with all of my floor team as well, who a lot of I've trained from the beginning. They have had no background in hospitality prior and, I don't know, something that we've worked so hard on and just to hear that it's all coming to an end in three months is, yeah, it was super challenging. You're also um, part of a, a pretty amazing um, not-for-profit not community, um, Venus Vinifera. Tell us a bit about 
that, how it started and, and what you're doing? Yeah, cool. So um, it came about from basically me learning how to do um, wine programs and having to do tastings and trade stuff and not really having any female role models to look up to in Canberra. Um, I decided after talking to some friends of mine in Sydney who started the Women in Revolution um, community um, that Canberra kind of needed something similar and rather than just complaining about the lack of resources and community, why don't I just do something about it? Um, so, yeah, we basically focus on, yeah, the education of women, including assigned female at birth, non-binary, and those with trans experience, and developing their education in wine, beer, and spirits. How important are female role models um, for people in the industry? I think massively so. I think it's really hard to feel like you can do something when you can't see someone before you doing it. Um, and I think that's something I found the most challenging is always being in a room with men and feeling like I have no voice or nobody like me to look up to. Um, and so I think VV is really important for, you know, providing that and making people feel comfortable and make arming people with the knowledge to be able to do these things. What's, what's some of the things that you've uh, done as, as a community, um, uh, that has had some impact? Um, I think uh, collaborating with people like Freddie who, from Dan Murphy's, um, who's a diploma student, um, Jenny Pollack, the wine witch from down in Melbourne, um, also people like Bridget Raffle and Jax Turner from Sydney. Um, they've all contributed to various events that we've done um, and they've allowed me to also build the network that VV has access to. Um, so creating connections and a larger community for the people who are part of it. Um, they're the main ones. I think also listening to Jenny speak about being a woman of wine um, and her experience um, coming into the wine world in the 70s and 80s. Um, she was like the first female to be admitted into beef and burgundy in Australia. Um, and just like hearing all the things that she went through and how some of it's similar, but also the challenges that she faced were also a lot greater in a lot of ways. You're, you're uh, providing support to others and, and um, mentorship, but what sort of impact has creating this had on you? I think it's been just really exciting to watch people develop their knowledge um, and to take on roles or challenges that they wouldn't have done without it. Um, I just think it's amazing when I see women be successful in this industry and, I don't know, breaking down the barriers that mm. tend to exist. Um, so I think that's like, yeah, the thing that makes me feel the best for sure. <laughs> Let's talk a bit about such and such. It's um, such a great venue in the centre of Canberra. Um, how do you approach and um, what do you say to your team to sort of deliver that that product that you do? Um, I think it's about working first and foremost as a team. Um, and, yeah, like I said before, it's like inviting people into your home. How, how can you provide the best possible experience and make people feel comfortable from all walks of life? Um, we talk a lot about, yeah, that sort of stuff and not necessarily going above and beyond, but what are the little things that we can do to make each person's night, whether that be, you know, give them a couple of tastes of wine if they're having trouble deciding or talking them through the menu if something's not making sense or providing, um, 
where to go next, writing them a list of recommendations, those sorts of things, just going, you know, those steps further to provide the best service. If, if you go back um, years ago when you, when you spoke of uh, doing the beverage program at the beginning of pilot um, compared to sort of now with such and such, how, how different is your approach and, uh, and the offering? Yeah, for sure. Um, I think I am a much calmer and more level-headed person and I think I also back myself a lot more um, than I did when Pilot first opened. Um, yeah, I think now I think it's, it's being comfortable and trusting yourself makes you better at your job and it allows me to have more time to mentor um, and help the staff around me and help train them to be better because I'm less focused on myself almost, if that makes sense. Um, yeah, I think that's the the key difference if I think about it. <laughs> Canberra had quite a bad rap about its um, hospitality offerings for a long time, but it's changed so much. And um, for those that have never been to Canberra, how do you describe um, and what do you love about what's going on here? I think my favourite thing is – how we're all friends. I think the hospitality community here is like unlike any other. Um, I think I hear so many stories about community, uh, sorry, venues in other cities not supporting each other, but I just love that like we can call on people for whatever we need. Like if I need napkins, I can call Sean from Rebel Rebel because we use the same ones. And, you know, the other day I needed decaf coffee and I could just run over to meet Wine Co and they're more than happy to help out. It's just like those little things, I think. Um, for sure. Well, you're doing amazing things in, in the capital. Um, what do you love about what you do? I just love seeing people's faces when they try new things, um, whether that be like a new food that they haven't tried before or a new wine. Um, working with the people that I do, like Dash, Ross and Mal are amazing. They've always been huge inspirations to me. Um, and also my management team at such and such, James, who does the beverage program and my assistant manager, Cassie. They, you know, inspire me every day to be better and deliver a better product. Um, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, that sounded really, like, sappy. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's it's amazing and you're an inspiration and it's an absolute honour to have you on Deep in the Weeds today to hear just a part of your story. Good luck with such and such and um, we'll catch up again soon. Thank you so much, Huck. Have a good day. This is the Deep in the Weeds podcast. I'm Anthony Huckstep. Stay tuned as we take a deep dive into the lives of the incredible people who ply their trade in the food and hospitality sector. Special thanks to executive producer Rob Locke for making this all happen. Follow us on Instagram at Deep in the Weeds Podcast or email us at podcast at deepintheweeds.com.au. Stay safe and be well. <laughs>